I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Betting Headlines for Tuesday. Monday night football classic. Ravenstorm back for the win. Colts still get the cover. We'll dive deep into the aftermath. John Gruden resigns. We're going to discuss the human element and also the Vegas effects of this resignation. In baseball, Dodgers on the brink of elimination still, though, have a 30% chance to advance. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Yes, I'm R.J. You heard it. Live in Las Vegas. Live on a Tuesday. Live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. It was a classic Monday night game last night. Ravens once again pulling out one out of the hat. We'll tell you the odds of them doing that, how unlikely it was, the effects on the Colts' chances to make the playoffs, which are a little better than you might think. And then we'll get into the Gruden stuff, which obviously has a local element to it. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. Okay. We got a fan here. He's with us, but he's the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman. Thanks, R.J. Good to be here on a day where the Ravens came from 19 down to beat the Colts. The Raiders and John Gruden agree to part ways, and the L.A. Dodgers face elimination tonight. What is the Vegas lead? Well, listen, if the Monday night game wasn't a great one, we would have flipped this because it's almost always Monday night, but I think – Maybe as a statement of purpose of this show, we'll go with the great game first and talk about Gruden after that. Sounds good. Lamar Jackson leads the Ravens back from the dead, RJ, beating the Colts 31-25 in overtime, but failing to cover the number. Okay, so first question, how unlikely was it? If you look at the various projection models online, about 25-1 to against. So Ravens, to just win the game were about 4% at their low point. Now, we all know the bookies are dastardly. Cockroaches, as they say. You would have gotten, if you shopped, 10 to 1. So let me think. 25 to 1, 10 to 1, seems about right for the bookies. Still (laughs) a nice payoff. As you think about, quick answer here, AJ, as you think about that game at its low point, does 25 to 1 seem right? Does 10 to 1 seem short? What's your gut feeling? Probably somewhere in the middle. I was thinking probably about 20 to 1 when Lamar fumbled and it went back the other way. They thought it was gone for a touchdown, but it ended up not being quite returned for a touchdown. But that moment where they were, they were knocking on the door, they were at the one-yard line, about to get back in the game, and Lamar fumbles, it felt like that was basically it. That's A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas. To me, Lamar's performance is a big red underline on a bigger – narrative a very important narrative for the Ravens with their playoff potential and that is the following 
this year, and I'm looking at the entire season, the Ravens have passed the ball, which is Lamar, obviously, much, 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 much better than expected. If you look at efficiency, EPA, for the season, passing the ball, the Ravens are ninth, and this is removing junk time, which is a good way to do it, and rushing the ball, 24th. Right? Ninth passing for the Ravens, 24th rushing. Now, they've been one of the top rushing teams every year with Lamar. So on one hand, you can say, hooray, Ravens can now throw the ball, which isn't that the problem in the playoffs? Oftentimes, if they fall behind, they can't throw. Yes, I agree. Now the question is, how does that bat one, how sustainable is it? Now, if you actually look from week two, which is sort of arbitrary, but okay, from week two onward, so eliminating week one, Ravens are the fourth most efficient team passing the ball. Fourth. That means only three teams ahead of them, AJ. You following that? I'm, it's unbelievable, but I am following. All right. Now. <laughs> Math seems right. Math adds up. All right. Good. You always double check. So, to me, if we can guarantee, which we can't, but if we could guarantee that this was sustainable, I think it's a fair trade-off, meaning this is a passing league. It'd be, you know, if you were the best running team or the 12th best passing team, yeah, you probably want to be the best running team. If you're worried about regular season dominance over inferior competition, the ones you can grind into the ground, eh, running the ball has its advantages. But if you're looking to win in the playoffs and if you're looking to win long term in the NFL, passing is more important these days. It's just a fact. And is it worth trading being the best running team? To be the ninth best passing team, I'm not sure about that. But to be the fourth best passing team, I think it's certainly worth it. The future, the near future, is going to tell us where the Ravens really are at. My one caveat to the optimism is that a lot of this has happened late, late in games, in these game states, which are very high variance. Now, you could say, well, before he couldn't come back in those spots. I agree. So it's, But can he pass as effectively when it's 7-7, when it's a closer game? I don't know. Because, I mean, if you look at this game even, A.J., he was pretty – Lamar was pretty pedestrian up until the last 20 minutes of the game. Would you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. Now, if you look at his end stats, they're shockingly good. 37 of 42. That's only five incompletions. 442, three touchdowns. His rushing you add in, which actually went over the total late, AJ. 504 total offense for Lamar. And we'll talk about Carson Wentz. He probably he certainly played his best game as a Colt and one of his best games of his career, you could say. Uh, certainly after his second year onward, you know, that quasi-MVP season. After that, this is one of his best games for sure. Uh, I mean, I test again, AJ, or any way you want to consider the question, what's your optimism level of Lamar continuing passing this well? 
I, I'm optimistic, and I do think what you said is apt, that, that you'll take that trade-off. I actually think maybe it's more than an even trade-off because it's not like Lamar suddenly can't run the ball if he needs to. I, I think if it comes down to it and Lamar needs to run to get yards, he's still going to be able to do it. But the fact that he's showing this – this new identity, being able to throw the ball, it's going to make it even more difficult for defenses to plan against him. They thought before, oh, all we got to do is load up the box. He's not going to beat us with his arm. Now you can't just assume that he won't beat you with his arm. So I think it's going to it's going to make teams adjust to what Lamar is doing, and thus make him even more successful doing whatever whatever you plan against. He'll just do the other thing. That's AJ Hoffman, straight out of Vegas. I'm RJ Bell. You're making two really important points, I think. Number one, I don't think there's a correlation to, oh, they're choosing the throw so it hurts the running. Because if it were the case, then they'd be thrown just as effectively probably the whole game. It feels like that when it's desperation time, they start to throw more. And he's just answering the bow. Um Thus, in theory, whatever it is that's causing the running not to be as efficient could turn around this year, next year, while not hurting his passing. Now, if that's the case, if the Ravens could run like last year, and we're talking efficiency, because obviously if we're talking yardage, it's going to be about number of carries and all that. But if they could be as efficient running the ball as they were last year, and Lamar passed like he did this year, has this year, they would be the Super Bowl favorite. They'd be the best offense in the NFL. They'd be a better offense in Kansas City. I don't know if there's some magical connection that as they started running better, would he? I know he'd pass less. Would he pass less efficiently? I don't know. I don't think so. So on one hand, if you're looking for Lamar's career stock, if this is true, if this is his current truth and, and will be the truth ongoing, it's been a quantum leap. And... Anyone that was a skeptic of him, which was me as a passer, I'll put myself in that category, I'm starting to think, huh, I'm starting to be uncertain at this point. I'm more uh, optimistic of his ability. Because uh, it's not just the, – the thing about his passing I think people got wrong was they'd say, oh, look at this QBR stat or that. And it's like really, though, his ability to run and the team's ability to run was almost like Army or Navy passing – Right? When you run so much, it's easier to pass on a play action. If you have to pass, can you pass? That's the real question of the NFL. And that's when Lamar's been excelling, where they've been in situ- game states, game situations where they had to pass, and he's delivered. And what's been the main lament with Lamar question has been his accuracy passing. If you actually look at his completions over expectation, one of the best performances on record last night, obviously when you're 37 to 42, but they weren't all wide open. So it's like in a way that that old sense of, yeah, he can pass if they're crowding the line, if they're heavy in the box. Lately, he's been passing well in seemingly every situation. That is a major change. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah, and it's funny. We talked all offseason about Josh Allen. And when is the last time a quarterback went from being an inaccurate passer to suddenly becoming an accurate one? And we couldn't really come up with an example. And here, if if Josh Allen actually has become a more accurate passer, Lamar Jackson would be the second example in a, in, in a two-year span that really is, is unprecedented going back the last 10, 15 years before that. I agree with that. I also think it speaks to how it's still unlikely. I still think this is an aberration. 
that said, the odds of it not being are fairly significant. I'd say probably 35, you know, two-thirds, one-third. I think there's a real one-third chance this is his new truth. And if so, it would be the second in memory. I also think that the Ravens really need to hope this is his new truth because defensively, this is not the Ravens team we've seen in the past. If you're going to be a run-heavy offense, you've got to be able to play defense. And Carson Wentz threw for 400 yards on this Ravens defense. They've got a ton of guys on IR. They're going to have to win some shootout-type games, so they need a quarterback who can throw the football for the rest of this season, if not you know, more long-term than that even. That's AJ Hoffman. We're breaking down Monday night football Vegas style. We're straight out of Vegas. I'm RJ Bell. Wentz had 11.5 yards per attempt, the highest of his career. Lamar had over 10 yards per attempt. Amazing. Both teams over 500 yards of offense. Not necessarily a defensive struggle. (laughs) Now, I've been waiting, AJ. We're about... 12 minutes into the show, no mention of Mark Andrews. Uh, oh, I just mention, my friend. Where, where at? I mean, did I somehow doze off during the show? Because I know this is exciting, so I didn't doze off. Yard. I didnn't have the, uh, the music, the bump, 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 bump. <laughs> 147 yards on 11 catches, so an easy winner for your Monday Night Football prop bet. So if he would have had one-third as many yards, would it still have won? It still would have won. One-third? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> hey, listen, I had a bad weekend, so I'll take it. <laughs> okay, uh, let's look at the Colts finally here as a team. One and four, obviously, you can say is bad. What's interesting is the Ravens could easily be one and four. Think about it. They had the uh, nice, easy, clean win against Denver, and otherwise they lost to the Raiders, which doesn't looks worse and worse in a way, not because of Gruden's issues, but how the Raiders played last couple weeks. And then obviously could have lost to Kansas City, obviously could have lost to Detroit, and obviously could have lost last night. In fact, you'd make the case at key points in those games, they were underdogs in all those games. So if anything, they were probably in the best spot against the Raiders. And it goes to show you why in the NFL, we talked about it yesterday, Record in close games is so vital to know when it comes to identifying overrated teams or underrated teams. Colts, not so much. I mean, they could have won this game easily, obviously, but they've kind of deserved to lose the other games. But still right now to make the playoffs projections, and this is a medley of projections, 538 PFF, about a 27% chance to make the playoffs. Why? At 1-4? Well, it's because of how bad that division is. They got easy games coming up, and obviously Tennessee is a fragile team out ahead of them. And, you know, the best team wins that division, even if they have seven or eight wins. Right now, three to one would be the fair payoff, a little less, 280, let's say. Would you take Colts plus 280 to make the playoffs, AJ? I think I would. I, I don't because I, I don't believe in the Titans and the, the run coming up for the Colts here is, you know, in four of their next five games, four of their next five games are at home. And those include home games against the Texans, Jets, Jags and the Titans. So they can really make up some ground in the next couple of weeks. I don't know. That Texans quarterback looked a little better. We'll talk about that. All right. <laughs> so to recap, obviously, uh, uh, amazing comeback. Lamar took a step if he can keep it, that will change his career. He's in the MVP race. When we come back, we'll get to the Gruden stuff, both the human side and the Vegas side. And then we're going to dig into the MVP favorites in the NFL.
He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the heavens gonna fall. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to dive into the breakup of John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders and what it means to the odds. The Raiders said it's you, not me, not us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was thinking and we were talking on the break about the Monday night game. So the Ravens had their series of 100-yard-plus rushing games. And obviously last week they cared enough to rush in a – uh, you know, unsportsmanlike situation very late in the game to get the record. What an unlikely tie, right? If you have 40-some games that you rush for 100 yards, and then the next game or the game before you barely, and then the next game you don't, after putting, you know, with a 1,000 yards of total offense between the two teams plus, it feels like that the psychology of it, if it were the coach trying to, you know, fight against being the one that got victimized for the record, if it's the Ravens being nervous about it, or I don't know. But it just, you know, statistically, and I'm doing this back in napkin, if some event happens 40-some straight times, the odds of the next time is about at least 95% is my back in napkin guess. For two times in a row, for it to be close to coming up that 5% in the first time, and then it comes up the 5 the unlikely event the second time, feels like the psychology is bigger than we think in sports. And a lot of people would dismiss it. Oh, everyone cares, or everyone's nervous, or everyone's not nervous. You always hear a bunch of ways to explain why the 85% free throw shooter misses two late in the finals game, or the field goal kicker after he misses one, misses another one, even though he made 29 straight. I don't know. Psychology is bigger. And and I think we're more fragile, even the pro athletes, than we think. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you, your support. And we're going to keep supporting you with the best show we can do here in Vegas on the Strip right now. Mackenzie, let's get a report. I got one a while back. What's the current temperature? 65 degrees in Vegas. Ooh, nice and chilly. 65, the neon is chugging. I had to have a hoodie today. All right, RJ, uh, let's take a look. John Gruden resigning, and I'll put that word in quotes, with six years remaining, assistant Rich Basaccia will take over in the interim. Basaccia, is he a paisan? I, I, you know, I don't know. It sounds like it, but I'm not one to just make snap I'm, calls. I think that's I'm a hoping. bad idea. I'm hoping. He is of Italian descent, yes. Exactly. I li- Listen, I'm Italian. I like Italians. I can't lie. But I don't dislike others. Obviously, <laughs> let's make that clear. I mean, That's some I move. do, some I do, but it's not, you know, it's them personally. I, there's a lot of people I dislike, <laughs> like the hardballs, but that's, you know, Steelers, high state. But here's what I'll say, and, and this part's pretty easy. I think there's a case to be made throughout society about things like what's the statute of limitations on an off color comment? What's the statute or how deep into people's private lives are we supposed to be digging? I think there's some real open questions about that. 
I think in this case, they're not really all that applicable in that when there's such a seemingly, and again, we're assuming everything's true and all that, such a, a, a wide ranging intolerance, it seems, or even if not, let's say that wasn't his true heart, the comfortableness with expressing it, um, it's it's something that society today, I think rightly, it has not much tolerance for. You want to talk about intolerance? They're intolerant towards intolerance. As Dylan would say, don't hate anything at all except hatred. But I think that that conversation about statute of limitations and how deep do we dig, and, and I do think it's interesting that, and by the way, for those aspiring criminals out there, and we don't want to support you at all, but don't you notice, and this isn't criminal, I guess, but so much gets discovered as an ancillary result of another investigation. Almost every point-shaving scandal that's ever been discovered has been because someone was mobbed up, they were under uh, you know, wiretap, and they happened to hear about some fixed game. It's almost never that the fixed game is the investigation, <laughs> which is, and I mean, think if you go back through, it's very much, the, I mean, Donahue was that example and on and on. So this was in a situation where if it weren't for Washington's or uh, the investigation into the football team's workplace culture, this would have never came out. And, um, the question I've got is, if they looked at, what was it, 600,000 emails, is the only guy that said anything shaky or intolerant was Gruden? And that's the question becomes, like, what is the uh, methodology, what is the um, assessment on releasing this stuff? Why is Gruden coming out? Can we presuppose that there's no one else at these NFL, you know, these are all NFL.com addresses that at least are part of the chain is, or at least, of, I don't know if they're NFL.com, but associated with the NFL, is you can say, well, Gruden was very blatant in his intolerance if he's going to send that to a NFL address. It's like, yeah, I hear you. It's a valid point. But now the question is, is it because they had something against Gruden that's coming out? Or... He, he, can we assume no one else has said anything intolerant? AJ, well, does that seem like a key question to you? Uh, yeah, and I think there's a couple of answers. And I think one, I think they wanted Gruden. And the, the thing on Friday came out, they waited for Mark Davis to do something. They said, oh, uh, you're see, not going to do anything? I, I disagree. Right? Let's start there. I think okay. what happened on Friday, and I'm, I'm posing this as a theory, when they used trope, and we talked about this Friday. That was like, wait a minute, what's a trope? Most people, you know, don't know. And it was a way to make almost like jargon. You know, if you have an engineer and he says, well, the pitch of this, blah, blah, blah. It's usually the jargon is trying to prevent you from understanding it. And a lot of industries do that. We try to do the opposite with betting, not use the jargon or at least explain it. But the idea of someone saying, yeah, Gruden got in trouble. Why? Oh, a potentially racist trope. It's like, huh, okay. What's what's tomorrow's game? What's the line of tomorrow's game? I mean, most people aren't really react and, and the fact it wasn't the biggest story in the world, Friday shows I think the communication approach the NFL used was one to say, We're not gonna hide this, but we hope it passes. But then what my understanding is that as more came to light 
the the depth of the intolerance that uh, the NFL was pretty adamant, hey, he's got to go. And that what I heard was, and this was reported, though I'm not sure it's completely verified. So we'll say, you know, allegedly, is the NFL said, I will keep releasing stuff till you fire him. So at a certain point, they weren't going to hide it, which I respect. But I think if it would have just been the racist trope, he was fine. Because if they wanted him out, they wouldn't have said it that way. It would have said racist emails, not race or not, you know, race. I don't know if it said racist trope. Racial trope. Racial. Yeah. So not even saying racist. Right. Yeah. So racial trope does not sound so bad compared to racist right? statements and, and numerous racist statements is what they're saying now. And uh, slander. Well, not just racist, but like you know, intolerant of, of homosexuals, intolerance of women. Uh, so he 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 checked all boxes that the NFL is trying to you know bring all the groups the NFL is trying to bring closer. He's trying to offend them all, apparently. I, well, he was he was comfortable doing that in private, but Privately. again, when you're, when you're sending to, it's not like the. Uh, Former, or, or I guess the Washington football team under the former names, uh, well, that was their GM or whatever, Dan, right? No, it was the owner, Dan Snyder. Uh, the, the president was getting the emails. Yeah. Dan, yeah, Dan oh, Snyder. Oh, I thought you were. I thought yeah. you were talking about where the where where the investigation start, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, the investigation. Well, the whole workplace culture with Washington, but then it was going to the president at the time. So it's not like that's his best buddy. So it's not like he's only saying that, I mean, you know, not that it's this bad or even bad, but we all say things to our closest people in our lives that you might not say to someone who's a a work friend or, you know, and and again, it's not, sometimes it can be good things. It's not going to be all bad things, but we all have candor, different levels of candor with different levels of friends. And the idea that Gruden was this quote unquote candid about his intolerance to someone that wasn't one of his best friends, unless I don't I, I misunderstand that, then, you know, I think amongst racists, there's going to be, or, or, you know, intolerant people, however you want to say it, the percentage is going to be intolerant to the public at large is going to be much smaller than the percentage is intolerant with their wife or something, let's say, who shares those beliefs. So this, to me, I think part of the story people aren't zeroing in on is if he was doing this, with a guy that isn't his best buddy, how many people did he do this to, <laughs> right? And how has it stayed so under wraps? Because let's not forget, before the new information came out, and correct anyone here, Mackenzie, Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, the Monday night or the Sunday night team with Chirico and others on set seem to be super super supportive super supportive yeah and Dungy now obviously Dungy black Tariko black so Tariko's not black he, he says he's not black uh, you know to reporters oh. anyway oh okay well, I, I'm he's sorry. one of yours he's Italian RJ yeah Oh, okay. He says he's 100% Italian. He's just dark-skinned. And uh, not a beacon of morality. 
Well, how how did how did I not know? How you guys all know that? That, that is, is this like a big thing in the news or something? Uh, no, it's funny. Uh, Mackenzie and I discussed this over social media the other day because he felt like he was saying Mike Tarico should have made a point to to mention that when he was defending John Gruden. And I said, I don't know if you have to if you really should ever have to feel like you need to come out and say what your race is. But it's funny that this has all come to a head now. And and yeah, Mike Tarico is is not at least does not claim to be black. Well, listen, I, I mean, maybe you, I, here's what I'll say. It does bring up an interesting point that that me feeling the need to mention that in that seemingly he would have greater insight into Gruden's heart. I think there's some truth to that, as in if if you're working with someone year after year after year and they have something against your race. And in this case, that wouldn't be the case, I guess, is it feels like that, you know, if someone said is, you know, is RJ racist, like. Talking to McKenzie, it seems like would be better than talking to some white person just because him being uh, mixed, as he says, it, it, it feels like it's something that he would have more at least experience with being on the recipient end. But this is all listen, this is all uh, territory that's somewhat new in that the, the, the level of in, um the, the the level of critique in people's actions. I don't think any, I mean, Archie Bunker's era, what Gruden said, you know, Archie Bunker probably doesn't say. So, I mean, it's, it's beyond the changes in society, I think. But I think it's hard to deny the changes in society. And I think most of them are good. And the ones that I say are a question mark are some of the questions that we talked about about, you know, glass houses and how intolerant are we going to be of intolerance? But he went so far past, you know, the the other question to me would be, um, you know, if someone when they're 15 years old says something that is right on the border and now they're 30, it's like that's a very different story than someone when they're 45 or whatever, you know, spreading around. But it brings up the point, though, we're straight out of Vegas. How in the heck could Gruden – hide this truth let's assume this is his truth how could he hide it so well with people he worked with so closely for many many years aj I don't have an answer to that. I do think that often there's guys who I think are racist in their heart or hateful in their heart, and then there are guys who I think use it as almost an inappropriate icebreaker or buddy talk. And, I mean, obviously, there's no time once it's out there to decide, well, what was this? We're in an age where it's just assumed that it's hate speech. And I think that maybe it was that. I don't know. I don't know how he's been able to hide it unless that's the, the, these guys were just covering for him for you know good reason, thinking this was going to be the end of the story, that Friday uh, trope. And when more came out, it's like, well, we tried. Sorry, John. Mm, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, how, what kind of friend? I mean, uh, that's asking a lot, right? <laughs> is What I'm saying is if, if someone is even really close work colleagues, the idea that they had a hint or knew for sure that he was that intolerant. They somehow was okay working with him. And then after, when the truth starts coming out, they throw themselves in front of the bus to try to stop. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Well, and some guys are just good at hiding it. Some guys are just phony. You don't but realize. It. But that's the thing. He wasn't hiding it if he's sending it to this Alan. No. 
but right? he's hiding it around. He's hiding it around Tony Dungy. Like I mean, the, the guys, the guy knows where he's a comfortable, where he's okay saying certain things, and where he's okay not. I mean, has anyone heard any rumors? I mean, you always hear rumors about people. Oh, he drinks a ton, or he's a womanizer, or whatever. Had you heard? I mean, I always heard he was a little brash, you know. And I know other media people didn't like him because he. I mean, to me, it was mostly I felt because he was so successful at it. Uh, I mean, I know as a coach, he got some questions coming back and getting all that money. But Mackenzie, did had you read any hints that like that 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 he was this type of intolerant person, Gruden? No, I had not. And Keyshawn Johnson uh, he had some familiarity with him winning the Super Bowl in 2003. He said he's a fraud. He said he was always a fraud, and he knew it when he met him that he wasn't a good guy. Hmm. Now, he's Italian, right, Keyshawn? <laughs> no, Keyshawn Johnson <laughs> is, one of, is a black man. Okay, okay. I mean, at this point, I don't know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep pondering that first, though. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. And I think to wrap up for now the Gruden conversation, at least on the human side, it could be he's hiding the, the ugly inner truth, or it could be that there was, I don't know about icebreaker, but I, I think within a certain crowd, there is a comfort in... And again, this seems to have gone past that to me, but there is a certain kind of comfort in not being politically correct. There's guys that really gravitate towards that, not being, you know, like overtly going against PC. And if that's the case, this is going to be a heck of a lesson because that could be the scenario that Gruden's heart wasn't so ugly, but in certain contexts, he got in the habit of saying things that were, you know, egregiously wrong, not because that was the, he shared the ugliness, but rather it was something he didn't have, he didn't really object to. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the way things are here. And if that were the case, he still deserves this. So he's not as evil of a person, but he still deserves it. And I think society saying, hey, listen, if you got these beliefs, you have a right to have them, but if you speak them. There's going to be consequences because we don't accept it as a society. To me, that's a step forward. And and, and we can debate about, and I, I would be right in the middle of that debate, actually, about being fair and making sure that we're not just wanting everyone to be perfect and letting humans be humans and being imperfect but still, you know, not being completely canceled, but maybe being canceled for a while. I mean, like, you know, it seems to be these days it's an either or. You're either fine or you're out. And to me, it feels like like any crime, there's a spectrum. And eventually you got to do your time, right? And if you do it, you should be free at that point to go on. So I don't think we've worked that out as a society. But I think the step where this kind of stuff is not acceptable is a really positive one. I don't know if Gruden has the ugliness in his heart or for whatever reason he was saying, you know, showing this, but either way it's bad. And if anything, if it wasn't as hard, it feels like even a bigger lesson, right? So, cause that, that, that's a lot to lose for just having comfortable talk around certain people that maybe are more comfortable with that. And again, it was a lot about the football culture too. How much of this is about what the NFL was like 
20, 30 years ago. And I can see why they're trying to move in the other direction. All right, last break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Dodgers and their odds and look at the Raiders and talk about how their odds are being affected by Gruden. That's coming up next. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. And, R.J., let's take a look at how the John Gruden firing affects the Raiders from a Vegas standpoint. Yeah, so we got their Super Bowl odds and such. No big adjustment there. They've, uh, you know, long shots at this point. But in next week's game at Denver, the line was Raiders, a three-point underdog, a field goal underdog. Now the line's moved to three and a half. And as listeners know, uh, and if you don't, it's important to know three is the most key number in the NFL. It's the most common outcome. And thus, going from three to three and a half is a fairly significant move. Now, what's driving that downgrade of the Raiders? Well, obviously, there's a sense of disruption. There's a sense of uh, dis- uh, being distracted uh, from football. And let's not forget, Gruden was not one of those CEO head coaches. If anything, amongst the sharpest sharps, it was believed that Gruden was an elite OC type that wasn't a great head coach. But effectively having him as head coach meant that you had him as OC. And he, if you look at uh, Derek Carr, I mean, he has progressed under Gruden. There's just no way around it. And thus... I'll be very interested to look at this Raiders offense early in that game because Denver's defense was not good against Pittsburgh. And, you know, since Chubb has gotten hurt, I'm not so sure how good that defense is for Denver. And if the Raiders struggle early in that game offensively, if you're betting in game, I might look to fade them because I think that this could affect the Raiders. And I might be looking to go under team total with the Raiders. AJ, what's your thoughts on all that? Yeah, John Gruden, one of the coaches who is also the the primary play caller for for his football team. So it's more than just losing your CEO. It's losing the the heart of your offense, really. So it it is going to be a big adjustment. Strategically, I agree. And if you look at the odds of the next head coach, the top five candidates, all current offensive coordinators, Eric Biennemi is the leader or the favorite to take that or be the next Raiders head coach. Yeah, and I thought the fact that they didn't even mention Gus Bradley's name, the one guy on staff who does have head coaching experience, I thought that was interesting that he's not he's not the interim guy. I think they're just looking to avoid that altogether and say, we're, we're going to find somebody else. Looking to avoid what? A- avoid the idea that Gus Bradley may be the long-term answer at head coach. Okay, so you're saying by not making him the interim, it – it decreases the expectation he'd be the real coach because they've yes. decided he's not or the long-term head coach because they've decided he's not going to be that. Yeah, and, and I don't think anybody believes that Rich Bisacci is going to take over as the, the long-term head coach. So the idea that, okay, they're telling their fan base, listen, we've got a placeholder. We're going to figure this out. Don't worry. It's not going to be Gus Bradley who's been a failure in general as a head coach. Let's look at baseball. 
Yeah, the L.A. Dodgers on the brink of elimination. They are minus 180 tonight. The comeback on the Giants plus 166, but the Dodgers plus 220 to win the series now. Okay, so if you look at the minus 180 tonight and understand that this is effectively a two-team parlay, so for the Dodgers to win, they've got to win this game and the next game to advance, and if anything else happens, they don't advance, you can impute what the odds are going to be if there is a Game 5 and that imputing tells us that the odds would be much closer to pick them. So, you know, in that things can change, but in that minus 120, minus 130 range is the expectation for game five based upon tonight's minus 180, which says about a 62% chance or so to win versus the plus 210 for the series. Much closer game if they do win tonight. Any thoughts on this, AJ? No, I agree with you. I expect tomorrow's line to be a little closer. Also, some the ALCS was set during our show here today. The Astros minus 150, the Red Sox plus 130 in the American League. That's breaking news for, for the series. All right, AJ, good show. We are straight out of Vegas. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 